I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Thanks for listening to the first ever episode of Cover 2 Broncos. I'm Joe Rowles, a Broncos fan trapped in Packerland and a writer for Mile High Report. And I'm Jeff Fessery, also a displaced fan and writer for Mile High Report. So today, me and Jeff are hoping to uh, talk some Broncos with you guys. Yeah, really excited to launch this podcast and jump into the first ever. You know, this is our maiden voyage so thanks for joining with us and you know stumbling along with us as we go and figure this whole podcasting thing out i think i mean it's been several uh, nearly a year since you joined mile high report joe and ever since you started you know both of us have done a lot of writing and film breakdowns and back and forth and we created this slack channel you know called film chat and we end up just sitting there nerding out talking back and forth and so i think it it just made sense for us to get together on a podcast and just chat it, you know? Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I got to give you a lot of props because uh, you were on the film game long before I was. And when I first joined Mile High Report, I just thought that that was one avenue where you were you're kind of by yourself on that. So I figured I'd try and help. And it's it's been a fun journey since. Yeah, it's so. been great. And, and I always joke around like we're just a couple dudes with Game Pass accounts, you know, like yeah. I, I try, I'm just here to learn as much as I can. And and um, apply it to Denver and, and, you know, talk to anybody who wants to listen. So that's what we're going to do. That's what we're hoping for Cover 2 Broncos to be. Basically kind of a lot of the same chats that me and Jeff have had and plan to have over all the stuff that we nerd out about. We'll try and bring it to you guys. So welcome to Cover 2 Broncos, kind of looking beneath the hood of what makes your favorite team tick. Today, we plan to do an overview of where the Broncos are at on this side of free agency and the draft, and uh, we'll get deeper into it kind of once we get a clearer picture of what potential targets are. We plan to look position by position, probably starting next week. But before we get into that, what do you think the biggest needs are this offseason, Jeff? Yeah, that's pretty hard to say pre-free agency, and so it's you know it'll be interesting to continue to update the list as... Um, free agency evolves and of course as we head into the draft but particularly this year because of the amount of free agents for Denver you know especially along the defensive and offensive line let's assume that Denver lets a majority of those guys walk and if so you've got Shelby Harris and Derek Wolf who were you know starters on the defensive line and then you've got potentially Ronald Leary getting cut and Connor McGovern up for contract so um, you've got two big holes in the trenches. And so I know a lot of people have 
talked about weapons on the at wide receiver to add into the offense and then you've got you've got cornerback to deal with but to me the trenches is where I really look at the biggest holes along the the line for Denver because of the departures and free agency and of course you bring those guys back those aren't needs anymore as much maybe you try to upgrade the position or add them some help but as it stands currently you're down four starters in the trenches and so that's where I'm looking first yeah and one of the things I was thinking about the other day is the fact that Fangio and uh, Mike Munchak came along when they did. They made hay out of last year, but there's a lot of potential there for them to let all those guys go with the idea of kind of reshaping the both sides of the line and kind of what they want. So it's no given that any of those guys come back. Yeah, that's a great point. It's an opportunity always when new coaches come in to kind of handpick their guys. And, and you made a great point with Fangio especially, you know, he he really was just handed the guys that he walked into. And the same with Munchak, you know, Denver's just had a lot of turnover on the offensive line, so they really haven't even had a stable offense and offensive line coach to kind of groom and start picking who they would want to develop long term. So, you know, but Munchak was kind of just handed Garrett Bowles and told, hey, you know, try to make something out of him, just like the other offensive coordinators and offensive line coaches did. And that I think that plays into Connor McGovern and free agency as well as what Mike Munchak's opinion of him is of, you know, does he want to try to bring in a guy that he's worked with or that he sees potential in, or do they try to bring McGovern back? And for Fangio, you know, he made a good point that, he was happy. I think it was at his end of season press conference. He was happy with how Wolf and Shelby Harris played because there were some people that weren't sure how those guys were going to play in Fangio's scheme. So he was happy they were able to produce in his scheme. But he also did say, and I think it was in his end of season presser, he talked about the defensive line particularly being more scheme specific. I remember him talking about, you know, corners or the DBs. He's like, if you can cover, you can cover. Like they can, they can fit pretty much any scheme, but he's like along the defensive line, it becomes more scheme dependent. And I wonder if that doesn't signal a little bit of his intentions for this off season of trying to bring in guys that, you know, fit a little bit better into his system. And that's been on my mind as well. Because I know you look at the Bears in 2018, and they, they were substantially bigger than Denver was this past year along the defensive line. And you kind of look at Adam Gossis as he had a pretty decent last season under Vance Joseph, and all of a sudden he he got benched under Fangio. And so, I mean, to me, that's why I'm looking at defensive and offensive line. I know you've got some opinions that are a little bit different in terms of the the top needs. So what you know, Definitely, that's where yeah. I'm looking. What are you what are you thinking in terms of top needs going into this off season? So I think defensive line is a big need, but for me, I think you can't underestimate how big a need there is at receiver right now. Because basically, Denver has Cortland Sutton, and in a good offense, I think Tim Patrick is maybe your number three boundary guy if you have a really strong slot. Because at that point, he'd essentially be the fourth option in a passing game. He's probably a fourth receiver for most teams. And Deshaun Hamilton, he had some promising moments as a rookie, but last year was – and even even with Drew Locke at the end, he had some good moments at the end, but he had a pretty rough sophomore season. And with how limited he is athletically, I don't know what the upside really is there. So there may very well be a need for two receivers this offseason. Uh, beyond that, the, the fact that uh, Chris Harris is a free agent and it doesn't sound like he wants to return, corner is a huge need. Yeah, for sure. And I think you and I think Nick Kendall, I see him all the time on Twitter, you guys have done a good job pointing out 
that Denver specifically, you know, if they want to hang with Kansas City, which is what has been kind of the buzz over the last, you know, we've even heard John Elway, and I think Fangio talked about it too the last couple times we've heard from them of needing to upgrade the offense and really, you know, compete with Kansas City and scoring points. And they've got to get some speed on the offensive side. You've got Philip Lindsay, who's your, you know, maybe one home run speed threat, and he's a running back. You don't really have that home run threat. And I'm not even just talking like one deep receiver who can take the top off, just guys that in general can turn a slant into a 30-yard gain or, you know, that strike fear in the heart of a defense. You're beginning to get that with Noah Fant and obviously Cortland Sutton's Cortland Sutton is, you know, uber talented. Um, so not taking anything away from him, but I think the need for upgrading at speed um, on the offensive side is something that you've been championing a lot, and I, um, you know, I can't disagree with that. Yeah, I just think in the in the modern NFL, basically you need to make them defend every blade of grass, and then you also need to have the people in your back end to be able to defend every blade of grass. And what Fangio was able to do last year with essentially Chris Harris in a rotating cast at the rest of his cornerback spots is pretty amazing because Denver didn't have a lot of cornerback talent last year. Once Devonte Bosby got hurt. Yeah. And that's an interesting corner. Such an interesting spot because, you know, obviously you've talked about Harris and depending on if he comes back or not, even if he does last year, they were still in need of another cornerback because of Bryce Callahan being hurt. And then Devonte yep. Bosby goes out and, you know, I like Bosby a lot. And I think, you know, he'll definitely be back. And if he's healthy, I think he could grow into a solid starter on the outside. And so you look at potentially getting Bryce Callahan back totally healthy, and they were looking at him outside last year and Devontae Bosby coming back. Well, then it's like, okay, you've got two potential outside starters, and then you just got to figure out what you want to do at the nickel position. But that's a lot of unknowns to walk into an offseason I don't know that I feel comfortable walking into an offseason without adding cornerback talent. And you've made a good point. You talked about it just even on the radio the other night with Benjamin Albright and Ryan Edwards on Broncos Country Tonight. If you look into the draft versus free agency, it feels like that's one where you want a guy who's an instant impact, who's a veteran guy, who you know you can count on at cornerback specifically because of the unknowns of Devontae Bosby and Bryce Callahan. If one of those guys goes can't go or is hurt or doesn't come to fruition like we hoped they would, you still have a solid guy. You say you let Chris Harris walk, you've got Bryce Callahan, you've got Devontae Bosby that you're hoping turn into something, and then you draft another guy. Well, that's now three positions of hope at the cornerback position instead of two. And so um, I think you, you, know, you make a good case for needing to have some – some solidness, if you will, at the cornerback position. So, yeah, I think it, it vaults it up there as a big need too. Well, and, and I mean, you hit on it right there. Is there's so much if-thens right now with the roster. And, and part yeah. of it makes it a lot of fun because it's easy to speculate and you run, you can run a million mock drafts doing all these different things. But the thing is, if Denver is serious about being a playoff contender next year, you can't go into camp with six positions that are if-thens. You need to have some degree of – we can count on this probably being a position of strength. And right now, there's not a lot of that. There's the potential for it to be. But that's what this offseason should be doing is trying to pass some of those spots where you can say, we know the offensive line is going to be pretty solid. We know the defensive line looks like this. And right now, Denver's looking like they're going to have a lot of cap space, a lot of draft picks. 
but we don't know yet what those position groups are going to look like. So, yeah. and that kind of brings us to, I think the next, next part of this, what do you think that Denver Broncos necessarily need at different positions? And we'll start with defensive line. What do you think Denver really needs to do to address the defensive line this off season? Yeah, well, I've got a stat that I wanted to um, talk about as it relates yeah, to definitely. both the you know offensive line and the defensive line. And, you know, especially when you're looking at in the trenches, there's not one metric where you can fully capture everything and, and stuff. And so taking take this with a grain of salt, but I don't know if you've looked into next-gen stats. They're coming out with that uh, pass block win rate and the um, pass rush win rate, which is pretty interesting. So, you know, next-gen stats has the player tracking chips. So they've, you know, tracking player motion and speed all across the field. And so they're beginning to try to refine some of that data into metrics. And so they've come out with a metric for the offensive and the defensive line. And essentially it's if you're an offensive lineman, did you hold your block for 2.5 seconds? Um, And I think they, you know, have a control in there where they can X out screens and different things like that. And, And again, it's, it's not a perfect metric, but on the offensive side, Denver was a bottom third team in the league for both of those metrics on the offensive and the defensive side in in terms of pass blocking win percentage and pass rush win percentage. And you've made a point on Twitter, Joe, talking about really Von Miller was their pass rush. And it's a massive chasm after that in terms of uh, pressure rate from the rest of the team. Uh, I think Von had like, what, 50 pressures or something. And the the next closest was 10 or 20 or something like that. According to Sports Info Solutions, who does a lot of charting data, Von Miller had 52 individual pressures last year, which is among the top five or six players in the NFL. But the next player on the Broncos was Shelby Harris, and I think he had 22, if I remember correctly. And then uh, Derek Derek Wolf was at like 20, but after that, it started to fall off really steep. Yeah, and and you got to take into account too Derek getting hurt, and so it's that's not a bad number necessarily for Wolf. But and Bradley Chubb was hurt too, so Denver was working with. They were limited in the pass rush game, so I'm not holding that totally against them. But, but, it, but it's notable. Yeah, yeah, for sure. When you, when your team falls into the bottom third in both of those categories on the offensive line side and the pass rush side, you've got to start looking at the trenches and upgrading it. And so long segue around to what we need on the defensive line. But to me, I think you've got to have – so you've got your nose tackle and Mike Purcell, but he's not going to bring much juice in the pass game. I think you've got to have a guy – who you're not replacing Mike Purcell at nose, at least I don't think so. I think you want to keep him there, especially in base packages. But then I think you've got to have a guy at the defensive end slot who can kick down into nose and provide some juice at the pass rush. Um, at pass rush, you know, from a one, two eye tech in your sub packages, while you've got a guy like, you know, Draymond Jones playing three tech or up and down the line as your other interior rusher. And so you've got to have a guy that can, um, he can two gap, he can stack and shed as a defensive end and potentially add some additional beef in the run game. But then you've got to add some push in the pass rush. Um, but he can't be your primary pass rusher if you want him to be a, you know, a big uh, you know, clogger on the running game side. So that's either, to me, you either split that out and you have two different positions. So you go after a guy like a, you know, I'm just throw names out there. You know, you go after a guy like a Chris Jones or something like that, who's you're just your primary pass rusher. And then you got to bring in some run stopping or something like that. 
Because right now, if you're looking at it from a defensive, who you have, like the cupboard from a defensive end standpoint, it's more primary pass rushers in sub packages. Like Draymond Jones, he played all right, but I don't want him out there constantly taking on double teams as a defensive end if I don't feel comfortable with the other guy on the other side in the run game. And so you've got to bring in a guy that can add some beef to the running game and some juice to the pass rush. And potentially that's one guy could kick down into nose and do both. And then you add, you know, another guy on top of that, or it's two different guys. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And that's honestly, that's one of the reasons why I'm not really on the Chris Jones bandwagon. I know, I know he's the shiny top-tier defensive lineman, but I don't know if he's necessarily the best fit for what Fangio wants to do. He's a great penetrator, but I don't know if necessarily he's the guy who can two gap, who can stack and shed. He's a guy who would come in on sub and he can do it. But ideally for what you're paying him and he's going to make probably 14 to $15 million. You're, you're not getting everything in terms of a perfect fit. So I don't know if he's necessarily worth that kind of money for Denver, but that's, that's kind of where I'm at with it right now. And I haven't watched him yet, but that's just from what I have seen and what I've looked at Kansas city. That's where I feel right now. Uh, what do you think of the offensive line, though? Because I know that is – I ran a Twitter poll a couple days ago, and actually it's like a week ago now. I asked Broncos fans, if you could address one position this offseason, what would it be? And guess what it was, Jeff? Left tackle. <laughs> so what do you think Denver should do on the offensive line? Um, I think – well, for, was it was it left tackle? What did they say? Well, well, they said offensive line, but everybody okay. hates bulls. So yeah. ideally when people say offensive line, that's what they're looking to yeah. do. Yeah, I feel like that's like where the number one, you know, concentration of the fans right now in terms of upgrading. And some people are even talking about, yeah, we need to definitely, you know, address tackle in the first round. And, you know, I don't – I think there's some – you know, a case to be made for that. But I think just in general along the offensive line, so you assume you've got your two tackles if James comes back healthy. You've got Garrett Bowles on the edge, and then Reisner's solid. And then, like I mentioned earlier, you're you're essentially losing two starters potentially on the, on the interior with Connor McGovern if he walks and Ronald Leary. And so you've got to have a guy either – either you bring McGovern back to play center or you bring him back to play guard and you draft a center or something like that, or you go big at right guard and then you draft a center. You obviously got to fill those two positions. And it's an interesting thing when you're shifting to 
Pat Shermer's offense, but I don't think, and we've talked about this a lot, Joe, and I think kind of back and forth, we've written about it and on Twitter as well. I think some people are making a little bit more a big deal about the change in the run game, but I don't know that it'll change too much um, from what Denver did last year, mainly because they weren't running as much zone last year as you would expect under Scangarello, just because the team really wasn't fit for it. They weren't good at it, especially the wide zone. Um, and so with Shermer coming in, I think you may see some more inside zone. You may actually see some more wide zone than they did last year. But I think it'll be just as diverse as it was last year, at least I hope it is. And you've got some continuity with Munchak. And ideally, you've got a guy who's comfortable in both of those schemes, really. The fact that they're keeping Munchak, first of all, I think it's a great, great move because Munchak's probably the best offensive line coach in football. If not, he's on a very, very short list. But the fact that they're keeping him, I think, means that that running game and the run design is going to be fairly similar to last year. If they start to move towards more outside zone, it'll be because Bulls and James are back and they look better than they did last year. But as far as the need goes, I think if Denver does go offensive tackle with the idea to try and replace Bulls, they're going to have to go after a guy who could come in and probably play right guard early. Yeah. I don't expect Leary back. And again, I, I have no problem with him. When he's on the field, he's been pretty good. But it's just one of those things where in, in the entire time he's played for the Broncos, he's never made it through a 16-game season. At this point, they can decline his option and just move on from him. I expect them to do so. And I think at that point, you're going to have a need. They may be comfortable just sliding Elijah Wilkinson down inside. I know they were higher on him before last year than a lot of people were. And he was out of place as a right tackle, but I think he could he could be an okay guard. But I do think if Denver wants to implement more of the pulling scheme that they use with Dalton Reisner, they're going to have to go out and find a right guard that can move and block on the move. So I do hope that they do that. Yeah, and I think, um, and we can get into it when we talk about you know these the specific guys that fit. But I think that's a big key is seeing what they did in the pool game with Dalton Reisner, whether it's on the power runs you know either from shotgun or you know like those their of counters and stuff that they were running you know reisner was leading the way on the majority of those like that's where they had their most success was when reisner was leading the way in the pool mainly because he was just so good at it and they did it from the other side as well but not as much and leary he he just struggled i think with um injuries and he was in and out of the lineup so you had schlotman in there sometimes too and so i think having another guy at right guard where you can essentially mirror those concepts i think that opens up your run game so you can do both of those you know run from both sides on those same concepts that'd be ideal because it make denver harder to defend moving moving on from offensive line the other position obviously we talked about receiver a little bit it, it's kind of important i think to talk about the difference between a z a slot and an x receiver just because Cortland sutton means that denver doesn't need to probably go out and sign a big six foot five, 220 pound monster. Um, I don't even know if that guy's out there, but when I was looking at my receiver rankings for the draft stuff last week, there were certain guys that I just didn't really consider very long just because I don't necessarily think Denver's going to be looking at him. Uh, the first guy that comes to mind for me is T Higgins. I like T Higgins a lot more than most people on draft Twitter seem to, but Cortland Sutton and T Higgins have a lot of kind of overlapping strengths. So I don't know if necessarily it would make a lot of sense to draft someone like him in the first round just because normally when you're building a wide receiving core, it's kind of like building an NBA starting lineup. Bucky just, Brooks and um, Daniel Jeremiah talk about that a lot. They talk about yeah. building, and it's building a basketball team. 
and it's and it's well, and it's ironic because then Bucky uh, Bucky Brooks went on and drafted T Higgins in his mock, and it's like maybe he was drafting for the 1970 NBA before the three point line. <laughs> but to fully compliment Cortland Sutton, what you're gonna want to get is you're gonna want to get someone that kind of looks like Emmanuel Sanders, but maybe younger. And that's why like a Henry Ruggs makes a lot of sense in my mind. That's why a, a deeper guy like Devin Duvernay. A guy who brings the wheels and really threatens teams as a yard-after-catch guy. That's kind of what you're looking for. He might be weaker against press, but that's what like a Z or slot can do is you can move him around and kind of try and protect him from some of those press corners. And I think that's what Denver needs. Yeah, and we'll talk more about that too. I know next week, and I want to we'll tease it a little bit, but next week we'll be doing a deep dive on the receiver position and really what Pat Shermer's offense you know, does for the receivers and so what we need from that. And so, you know, I know we've talked a lot about the different concepts and things like that. So hopefully that'll give us a little bit more of a picture of, okay, what is in, in this concept, what is the X typically doing in this concept? What is the, you know, Z in the slot typically doing, but let's move on to corners as well. I know you had some thoughts about boundary corners and what we need there. The fact that Chris Harris doesn't really want to return to Denver, it's, it's kind of worth exploring because I've had a couple people ask me about it because they don't really understand it. The thing with Chris Harris is Chris Harris was playing essentially a slot corner for a big part of his career, but he was so good that he was able to also play on the boundary. And the thing is, he was playing in a scheme that was more more man-to-man, where basically I got him. And moving to Fangio, there's a lot more split field coverages. And the other thing is, because of that, he was essentially locked into a boundary, and he was also basically always on the number one receiver for the other team. Uh, he moved around a little bit, but usually that's what they were trying to do is get him on the best pass catcher for the other team. Because of it, his overall numbers were down, and I don't think he was happy with that. He he wants to be able to go back to what he's comfortable with. So I don't think he comes back, and because of that, I think boundary corner is a bigger need than nickel at this point. Yeah, I agree with you, and I think one of the things that Fangio's system I think works really well with, at least what we saw in Chicago – is a big guy on the outside who's comfortable in press. And I'm, you know, looking or thinking specifically of Prince Amukamura and how well he looked in Fangio's scheme. Often the big, you know, big place they used him the most was on the backsides of those three by one sets. And he was the guy who was typically on the backside going against that X receiver, playing in a press alignment. And sometimes they would just hang him out there and let him let him be by himself. And he had a little bit of coverage because of Eddie Jackson's range from the other hash, depending on where Jackson lined up. If he was single high or even even in split field, he was cheating over a little bit to the three by one side if you had a vertical from the number three receiver. But to me, it's a guy who can hang with the receivers on the backside of those three-by-one sets, and that's where Harris struggled, actually. And I think you talked about it, Joe, is you know, Chris is a phenomenal player and phenomenal corner, but I think it was obvious he lost a step a little bit. And it felt like maybe struggled. I don't. There was obviously some communication breakdowns and stuff as well. Chris is releasing guys across the field and isn't running with them and there's a communication breakdown and people aren't picking them up on those deep overs and then there'd be other times where Chris takes them and goes with them and then you could you know he doesn't have the wheels to hang with a Tyreek Hill on an over wheel route we saw I think it was in the first Kansas City game where he got burned and so yeah not to take anything away from Chris Harris but I do think for the 
overall scheme fit, having a big guy on the boundary. Um, and we can talk about some guys here in a minute that could potentially fit. But then the other position that is out there is nickel, you know, the nickel corner. And a lot of that depends on where they end up playing Callahan. You know, he played nickel in Fangio's scheme in 2018, but uh, it looks like Denver was wanting him on the outside this past year. And so if they keep Callahan on the outside, to play maybe that, you know, more of Kyle Fuller's role at corner, you've got to have a guy that mans the nickel. And I thought Will Parks did a good job because of his versatility. And to me, that's what you kind of need in that nickel role is versatility. Um, that's a guy who, you know, depending on how, what kind of coverages they're favoring more, he's not going to necessarily be always one-on-one with the slot receiver or if they put their you know big time playmaker in the slot and try to run him deep you you're typically going to have some safety help so he may not necessarily need to be the guy who can hang one-on-one with those guys but he needs to have versatility because he's going to be playing a lot in the box he's got to fit the run um, and he's got to be smart and a good communicator and I thought Parks excelled at that role in the last couple games of the season, more so than safety, uh, you know, for Will. But you've got a need there, I think, at nickel corner, and it's a little bit different than just your typical boundary corner. I also think nickel corner for Fangio's scheme is a little bit different than a lot of other teams in the league, which is both good and bad. The overall, what you're asking that guy to do, and Fangio said this once, is the responsibilities is really similar to a linebacker. Yeah. And – that means that like a guy like Will Parks, even though he's by position designation, he's a safety, he's important to the, the defense of the nickel. Yeah, well, because in your two high coverages, and again, I'm like I'm far from the expert in this, but in your two high, you know, split field coverages, essentially like they don't it's not a respecter of, you know, it's not different if you have a linebacker or a nickel corner there, that's the overhang, you know, that's your overhang defender. And so that's either a linebacker and he's got certain responsibilities or it's the nickel. And so depending on how you scheme it, sometimes you'll scheme them out of the run fit. So they don't have to be in there, but sometimes they're going to be in the run fit and supporting specifically in the alley. But then, you know, they've got to be able to cover, you know, the same, the same responsibilities, like you said, as it would be with a linebacker. Okay, so give me your three biggest position needs for the Broncos. We'll make this a game. And then give me one name for each position group that pie-in-the-sky dream who Denver gets. I'm struggling with the order here, but I think I'm going to go D-line, O-line, and corner. And for D-line, give me DJ Reader. For O-line, Joe Tooney or Lloyd Cushenberry, or both of them. Corner Byron Jones. So I cheated and gave you two names for O line. I would love Byron Jones. And I know you you're pretty familiar with him. Yeah, so he's a guy that, you know, he brings versatility because they played him at safety. You know, he was they really played him out of position for the first couple years in Dallas. Um, but he was, you know, played great at safety and then they moved him over to corner and they were like, Holy cow, this guy can cover and he's a great number one corner. But I think he slept on so much in the league just because he's never targeted. Yeah. Excellent movement skills, can jump out of the building, super athletic guy and bring some position versatility, but he brings that physical presence on the outside, kind of that bigger boundary corner that I talked about. So you're, you're not scared of the whole concern with his ball skills? No, I don't think so because, I mean, you've got to have the ball thrown at you to show your ball skills. And, you know, maybe he's not the most – I think just looking at interceptions or PBUs for a DB is you know, really overrated. Gotcha. So here's mine. I think receiver is probably the Broncos' biggest need right now. 
because I think if Denver can find a dynamic number two, it'll make the whole offense better. Uh, the two guys, I'm cheating a little bit, but I, I can't get over either one of these two. Denzel Mims, I'm going to scream his name from the rooftops until Denver drafts him. Hopefully John Elway hears me. I think he's the most slipped-on receiver, even though he just had an insane senior bowl week. Yeah, he was incredible at the senior bowl. I mean, it's just his catch radius is just ridiculous. The other one, though, I think if Denver waits a little bit on a receiver, they could find a steal in Devin Duvernay. I personally didn't think too much of Sam Ellinger for Texas last year. I know his numbers look okay, but there's some plays where he leaves Devin Duvernay out to dry. and Duvernay could look a lot better as a pro than he did in college. But uh, number two for me is Javon uh, defensive line. And if Denver has a chance to get Javon Kinlaw at 15, I hope they run to the podium. I think he's a perfect fit for what Fangio wants as a defensive yeah. lineman. He's he's able to two-gap. He plays three or four different techniques very well. He could play that Derek Wolf role early and essentially slide in and be a three-technique or a one-technique if they want him to. Great pass rusher. He's still improving as a player, and he's motivated. I would think that corner is a big need, except for this. I think Prince of Mukamara is going to get cut by the Bears. Until he signs with some other team, I consider him a Bronco. He's going to be like fighting it. with Denver. I like it. He's, he's liked some of uh, Mile High Report writers' tweets about how good a fit he is. He wants to come here. He wants to reunite with Fangio. I'm convinced. Yeah, and we saw you know he had some of his best years of his career under Fangio, and so I think it makes a lot of sense. He's got continuity with Bryce Callahan as well, and so why wouldn't you try to recreate the secondary that you had in Chicago in that great 2018 defense? Definitely. But uh, – yeah, this was fun, Jeff. Yeah, absolutely. Let's do it again next week. <laughs> yeah, I'm down. And uh, hey, thanks for coming along, everybody. I hope you enjoyed it. Give us some feedback. We'd like to to give you what you need. Um, next week, we do plan on taking a look at Pat Shimmer's offense and kind of how it's changed things. And then we'll also probably take a little bit of a deeper dive into receivers to really see how Shermer's system has changed what Denver needs at receiver. We look forward to having you along.